Hey everybody, good morning. It's uh, good to see you or hear you or virtually be in this space with you this morning. Uh, this is our seventh week in quarantine on the Hope and Anchor podcast, but uh, you know something's better than nothing, so I've been looking forward to this time to share with you today. Uh, once again, I'm here with my favorite person in the whole world, uh, my wife, Christy, and uh, man, we've had a busy and productive week. What have you been up to? Um, I have uh, been tending new chicks. We have eight chicks and a duck, and I... Uh, Move the waterfall in the pond from one side to the other. Um, we had our ladies' Bible study yesterday, so if you're interested in that, you can still join. Uh, Lifeway.com has uh, about eight or nine free online Bible studies that you can choose from. We're doing The Faithful, and we will be on week three next Saturday morning at 8.30. Uh, but you can subscribe to any of them or register for any of them, and they are free to watch all the way through the end of June. Uh, you don't need to have a book. You can just watch the videos. Uh, if you want to purchase a book, of course, you can still do that. But uh, So that's a really neat ministry that they're doing. Um, just been super busy physically in the yard. I yeah. Think. I think one of the uh, unexpected blessings of this time in quarantine has been um, just having this extra time to get stuff done. I mean, work has been crazy. A lot of stuff to get accomplished and a lot of Zoom meetings. Uh, if I never have to do a Zoom meeting again after this is all over, I will be a happy, happy man. Um, but yeah, Christy's been working, you've been working on that pond, that little decorative fish pond in the backyard. So we've got five fish. Uh, what are their names? Oh, do you uh, remember? Yeah, of course. I've got Goliath. He's the largest. Anna Karenina is a white and uh, uh, orange goldfish. And then the other three, um, First, we're going to go with some names from Anna Karenina because I just finished reading that, but the children can't remember it. So I think we've settled on Rack Shack and Benny for the other three from <laughs> VeggieTales. Yeah. Well, Brennan and I have been, and some other friends and family, have been helping with a f big fence replacement project in my backyard. So I've got about almost 70 feet of fence replaced, big wooden fence. And um, if you've ever replaced fence, you've, been, you've discovered or you've encountered the dilemma that I've encountered. I bought both pickets and nailers and the pre-made fencing panels and uh, we the first nine spans between the posts that we put up were with the pre-made panels which go up quickly but they are offensively heavy just straight up obnoxious I mean no matter how many people you have carrying them they're just really heavy so they go up quick but they about kill you the pickets and nailers a lot easier uh, physically but it just takes forever. So you're faced with heavy or slow. That's your choice when it comes to fence replacement, just the more you know. All right, uh, let's see. This morning we are continuing in our Behind the Music teaching series, but before we get to that, let's uh, check in with each other. How are you doing? How's your week been? I pray that you've been able to connect with your family, been able to connect with your friends, and been able to connect with God. Just spend those times uh, restorative times in the morning or in the evening, whenever those quiet hours are for you, I pray that you would be uh, investing in those because um, we will all get through this. And how we come out of this um, really is largely determined by how we choose to spend our time now. Uh, so I hope you're doing well. I want to encourage you. I want to pray with you. Uh, I pray that uh, we would be in connection with each other, stay in contact, reach out, uh, check in with your friends. If you're needing something, if you're feeling something, uh, let somebody know. Uh, we want to be praying, as usual this week, for the ongoing recovery uh, in the weeks ahead. Many communities, uh, towns, cities, states, even our nation is going to start 
uh, turning toward easing restrictions, trying to get back to whatever normal looks like. I pray that there'd be wisdom, there'd be uh, uh, that we'd be careful, that we'd, we'd be wise, but would also be courageous. Pray for our community health workers, all of our frontline uh, workers that are just providing the the services we need, the products we need. Uh, uh, just pray that uh, we would grow through this, that we would be better off because we went through this. As strange as that is to say, that we would look back on these months and say, wow, we grew stronger through that experience. We grew closer to the Lord and to each other through that experience. Don't want it to happen again, but we're thankful that it did. So, uh, so yeah, be praying for those things this week. Uh, today is the third Sunday of Easter, and so for this morning, I've got Christy here to read our gathering prayer once again. So please join us. O God of mystery, out of death you delivered Christ Jesus, and he walked in hidden glory with his disciples. Stir up our faith, that our hearts may burn within us at the sound of his word, and our eyes may be opened to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Grant this through Jesus Christ, the firstborn from the dead, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. Okay, so here we are, week number two in our Behind the Music series. Uh, this I, I explained last week how I was a little bit hesitant to get this series started just because it is a little corny, a little goofy. But uh, what we're doing basically is we're looking at songs, mostly from the 80s and 90s, but we're looking at songs and then talking about the message communicated in that song and how in those songs... Uh, we can find some transferable principles. We can glean some lessons that help us live um, more wisely. We live better uh, with God as we go f uh, through the years that we're given. So uh, last week, we started the series with, uh, uh, oh, what we have? Uh, Carrie Underwood, Jesus Take the Wheel. Oh my goodness, I'm glad that week's over. Um, uh, just, to dis just to make clear, I was not uh, that's that, my comments about that being a terrible song. That was just about the song, not about Carrie Underwood. The last thing on my mind was to smirch or besmirch her character in any way or her Christian testimony. I don't know much about Carrie Underwood, but uh, I'm sure she's a very nice lady who loves the Lord, who loves he, who loves the people in her life. I think she's married to someone famous, uh, Vince Gill or something like that. Anyway, I say all that to say none of these weeks are taking a shot at the people who sang the song because I don't know these people and that'd be unfair. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is week number two of Behind the Music and today's song is Careless Whisper by George Michael. Hey Alexa, play Careless Whisper by George Michael. Here's Careless Whisper by George Michael on Amazon Music. i 
All right, well, there you have all five minutes of that juicy jam. George Michael's Careless Whisper. Now, I don't know if you're that familiar with that song or very familiar with that song, but um, here's what I, I can surmise. George Michael, he wasn't the first, and he really hasn't been the last, to learn the painful consequences, to learn of those painful consequences uh, that come from careless whispers. He isn't the first and he isn't the last to, to, to feel the destructive, to experience the destructive power of reckless gossip. And that's what I want to talk about today, the power and the, 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 the painful consequences and the destructive power of careless whispers or reckless gossip. In military history, the lesson of the careless whisper was learned early and often. And um, it was learned at the great cost of, of lives and of equipment. The safety of soldiers and the success of missions depended largely on keeping strategies controlled and keeping strategies secret, essentially preserving the element of surprise. Many military campaigns have failed because of careless whispers. They failed because of these careless whispers making their way into the wrong ears and undermining trust and ultimately wrecking plans. And careless whispers, they weren't always the work of spies and of intrigue. We kind of imagine that, that during wartime, all missions fail and all intelligence um, falls into the wrong hand through people in trench coats and uh, sneaking around in dark alleys. No, it wasn't always because of the work of spies or of intrigue. The undermining of plans, it wasn't always passed along in secret message drops or passed through clandestine conversations many times. Uh, well-meaning, well-intentioned civilians and family members of military personnel, they inadvertently shared what they knew. They knew a little bit about what their loved one was doing while deployed, while serving in the military, and they just shared that with other people. They shared what they knew about their loved one's deployment information or what they had heard about upcoming missions. And as a result, that information was overheard somehow. That information was passed along and ultimately intercepted by the enemy, or it somehow uh, fell into the wrong hands, and as a result, lives were lost. So, during World War II, there was a widespread campaign to educate civilians on the home front about the necessity of what's called OPSEC. OPSEC. O-P-S-E-C, which stands for, because the military loves acronyms, OPSEC means Operational Security. Operational security was important. Why? Because, as the Navy said, so, I, so uh, memorably, loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink ships. The U.S. government deployed iconic posters during World War II to teach people about OPSEC, or operational security, but also to remind them of its importance. Now, if you'll check on the Hope and Anchor Facebook page later, I'm going to post some images of these iconic posters from World War II about OPSEC. But uh, these were valuable tools to keep it in front of people, like, hey, what you say and what you don't say, it matters. Uh, loose lips sink ships. If you're not careful, if you gossip, if you pass along information carelessly, if you uh, participate in those careless whispers, it could cost people their very lives. Now, as we've all sadly and painfully discovered, I'm sure, the lesson of the careless whisper, it isn't only for armies at war. It's really a lesson that we all must learn. It's a lesson we all have to learn. So, 
here we return to George Michael's Careless Whisper song. Let's, let's walk through, let's read through um, the lyrics just so we have a better handle on what he was trying to communicate and how we can start to glean some of those transferable principles as we move forward. I feel so unsure as I take your hand and lead you to the dance floor. As the music dies, something in your eyes calls to mind the silver screen and all its sad goodbyes. I'm never going to dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. Though it's easy to pretend, I know you're not a fool. Should have known better than to cheat a friend and waste the chance that I've been given. So I'm never going to dance again the way I danced with you. Time can never mend the careless whispers of a good friend. To the heart and mind, ignorance is kind. There's no comfort in the truth. Pain is all you'll find. Never without your love. Tonight the music seems so loud. I wish that we could lose this crowd. Maybe it's better this way. We'd hurt each other with the things we'd want to say. We could have been so good together. We could have lived this dance forever. But no one's going to dance with me. Please stay. Now that you're gone, now that you're gone, what I did's so wrong, so wrong, that you had to leave me alone. George Michael. Careless whispers. Careless whispers. Very likely, every single person listening today has felt the sting of betrayal. The bitterness of being hurt by a friend, of, of being wounded by gossip. Gossip hurts. Having our trust undermined by someone close, it happens to everyone. And it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. And it's not an experience that I would wish on anyone. But sadly, you should know, and it's not easy for me to confess this, you should know that I'm not innocent. I've not only been the victim of the careless whisper, I've been the careless whisperer more than once in my life. One of my earliest memories of being the careless whisperer was one day in fifth grade. I confided in a trusted friend, a private thought that I'd been having. You see, I thought it would be funny if we called a girl in my class whose name was Crystal Hill. I thought it would be funny if we called her by this hilarious moniker, Crystal Hillbilly. Uh, and so I passed this along. I shared this thought. And my trusted friend turned out to be a real Benedict Arnold. He, despite my frantic pleadings, went straight to Crystal herself to share my careless whisper, who then, in turn, promptly went and told the teacher. Oh, I felt miserable. My day was ruined. The sky was falling. I got in trouble. I was sent to the principal's office for the first time and only time in my life. This was the low point in my public school career. In that moment, I too felt I was never going to dance again. That my guilty feet had lost their rhythm, though it was all too easy to pretend and no one was fooled. I should have known better than to cheat a friend and to waste a chance that I had been given. As far as Crystal and my betraying friend were concerned, I was never going to dance with them in the same way ever again, the way I had danced with them before. Tragically, bridges were burned. Friendships were sunk. It was very, very sad. And here, years, decades later, I still remember the sting of that betrayal, that careless whisper that caused so much harm. Have you learned the painful lesson of the careless whisper?
When was it for you? Maybe even right now you're wincing because you're thinking about that memory. So I think we can all agree that it's important to, de to develop habits, to set guardrails in place that help us avoid gossip. How do we go about avoiding gossip, guarding our lips, and how do we ultimately honor our friends, honor our family, and honor God? How do we honor those relationships that are so important to us? How do we strengthen trust? And how do we, like I said, how do we glorify God? Where can we go for guidance? Are we left on our own to figure this out and just pick up best practices as we go along? Where can we go for guidance? Who can help us? Well, <laughs> good news. Fortunately, we are not alone in our endeavor. We are not on our own in figuring this out. Guys, the Bible is filled with wisdom. It's filled with wisdom about gossip. It's filled with wisdom about disciplining your tongue. Scripture is rife with admonitions about avoiding foolish talk and about committing only to speech that is truthful, truthful, helpful, edifying, and honorable. So if you have your Bible, man, we're going to warm this thing up. We're going to be flipping back and forth here. But uh, get your Bible out and turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is just full of this stuff. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 10. Let's go there first. This is just some of the uh, a smattering, if you will, of the wisdom we find in Scripture. Uh, Proverbs 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Proverbs 11, 11, chapter 11, verse 13. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Look at uh, Proverbs 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. How true is that? 17, chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. Look at chapter 18, Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7. Fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. And then finally in Proverbs, let's look at... Uh, Proverbs 26, verse 20. Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. And then let's look at uh, Psalm 141. Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. I love that verse 3. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. That should be a prayer that we carry with us. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. All right, let's look at uh, Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Oh, this is verse 28. Let's read 28 and 29. Why not? If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. And then right after that, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I think it's interesting that Paul puts these verses right next to each other. If you're a thief, quit stealing. 
And then don't use your foul, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful because in both cases, uh, being a thief and being a gossip, it's both destructive. It both tears down and it takes things that are not yours. All right, let's look at one, one last uh, book of the Bible here. Let's look at James, James chapter 1. We go to James 1, verse 26. James says, If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Cripes are mighty. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Aichi, wow, wow. That, I mean, that cuts right to it. But And then let's look at one last passage here. James chapter 3. Let's look at verses 1 through 18. This is going to be our core passage we're going to unpack today. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. My least favorite verse in the whole Bible. <laughs> Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting our entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is... For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Sure, th such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I love that last verse. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So let's go back to verse 1 and 2 in this uh, chapter 3 of James's letter. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. As I'm sure you discovered, disciplining your mind and controlling your tongue is tough. But disciplining your mind and controlling your tongue, it's for every believer. 
It's an expectation for everyone who has committed their life to following after Jesus Christ. But, as James points out, it is especially important, it is especially necessary for leaders in the church, for teachers in the church, people with a degree of influence over others in the faith. Why? Well, I think it's because of this. A higher degree of scrutiny comes from God and from fellow Christ followers because um, because of the responsibility that leaders have. And what is that responsibility? Well, it's to teach others the way of God, but it's also to care for their very souls. Have you thought about it this way? The pastors in your church, the people that God has placed in, in leadership in that local fellowship, they're ultimately entrusted with these two things, teaching people how to grow in their faithfulness to God, how to grow in their, 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 their life with Christ, this righteousness, this pursuit of righteousness. But also we've been entrusted with the, the very care of your souls. Yikes, that's serious. That's significant. Those who step into leadership in the church are charged with these responsibilities to teach well and to care well for the souls of those people God has placed um, in that local fellowship. That's a heavy burden. That's a high calling. James goes on to say, if one cannot control their tongue, if they cannot squelch gossip, everything uh, in their life, if they can't control these things, everything will be ruined. Everything will be underlined, uh, undermined. Everything will be um, at risk. But if you can control your tongue, if you can turn off that faucet of gossip, everything else in your life will be easy. That sounds like a big uh, exaggeration, but it's not. If you can control your tongue, James says, if you can successfully control your tongue, everything else falls into line. Everything else is actually easy comparatively. Now, if you look at verses 3 through 12, James goes into this whole discourse about the tongue. The tongue is like... Here James paints, a, in verses 3 through 12, here James paints a vivid picture of, of gossip's power with, with, with startling metaphors. The tongue, it's like a horse's bit. It, the tongue, it's like a ship's rudder. It's like a spark. Like a tiny bit directs the behavior of an entire horse. And like a, a small rudder can steer a very large ship. And just as a single spark can ignite and burn down a whole forest, so our tongues have the power to direct, to steer, or to burn up our whole life. And James gives a grim assessment of our seeming inability to control our tongues. He says, guys, we can tame the whole world, but we can't keep our stinking mouths shut. Why is this? We can tame fish, birds, lizards. I don't know. He lists a bunch of animals. But we can do all these things. We can bend the whole world to our will and make it do what we want. But we can't even control our own tongues. Our God-given tongue, because of sin, has become a restless evil. Unless we think the problem is simply with our tongues, remember, as the Bible says elsewhere, it is out of the heart that our mouths speak. If you have, real quick, turn over to uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, let's hear what Jesus has to say about this uh, dynamic, this reality. Luke chapter 6. I didn't mark this in my Bible, so um, I'm flipping. That's the sound you're hearing right now. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. Jesus says, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce 
good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from the thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So James is kind of piggybacking on Jesus' teachings here, but the thing we need to understand, the problem doesn't originate with our tongues. It originates with our hearts because out of our hearts, our mouths speak. So then we look at uh, James's passage in chapter 3 here, verses 13 through 18. Uh, James starts kind of turning toward um, answering that question. Well, what do we do then? If our tongues are so difficult to control, if they cause so many problems, what should we do? If we're intent on following after Jesus, how do we go into battle against our, 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 our tongues, our desire to gossip, and our, our desire to set whole forests on fire with our speech? How do we pursue wisdom? How do we cultivate peace instead of causing hurt, instead of causing this broken trust that comes from our careless whispers? Well, James gives us some very eloquent and winsome advice about wisdom and peacemaking. He says, rid yourself of selfishness, rid yourself of jealousy, seek accountability, seek confession, Invite someone into your life to hold you accountable and to be there to hear your confession of, of the ways that you struggle, the ways that you fail. Uh, be gentle. Practice yielding to others. Yielding to others. What, that, what does that mean? It means allow others to get their way. You don't always have to win. You don't always have to get your way. Step out of the way. Let someone else go first. Be gentle. Practice yielding to others in order to plant seeds of peace because when you plant seeds of peace, the promise is this, you will harvest righteousness. Plant seeds of peace and harvest righteousness. Doing this, uh, it, it does many things, but one thing it does for sure, it deprives the enemy of footholds in your life. And it helps uproot the bitterness and the, the envy that can so easily undermine our relationships. Have you ever had a relationship that just was, felt poisoned? You tried, you tried, and you, you guys were nice when you were together and stuff, but you felt this like lingering sense of just this odor uh, of illness in that relationship. There was this sickness. There was a, a, some sort of a poison in the roots. There was a bitterness, maybe a sense of envy there, and it was undermining that relationship. That relationship was stunted because that unspoken underlying issue was never addressed, was never challenged. One could summarize much of what is said in James 3, 13-18 with the old axiom, Actions speak louder than words. Your actions speak louder than your words. What you do speaks louder than what you say. A careful action is the time-tested antidote to a careless whisper. I'll say that again because it's pithy. A careful action is the time-tested antidote to a careless whisper. A careful action is the time-tested antidote to gossip. Uh, it is the time-tested antidote to those loose lips that sink way too many of our ships. Careful action. Being careful. So, uh, I want to talk as we finish up here about the cure for careless whispers. How about that? The cure for careless whispers in three easy steps. 
Who could have asked for more? <laughs> the cure for careless whispers in three easy steps or how to stop our loose lips from sinking all of our ships. Number one, here's the three lessons I'll, I'll tell you first. Number one, that first step, stop talking so much. Step two, beware the danger of being necessary. And three, think before speaking. Okay, stop talking so much. Beware of the danger of being necessary and think before speaking. Okay, let's unpack those a little bit. Stop talking so much. Practice silence. Silence is a lost art. It's something that does not come easily to us, both internally and externally. We live in a very noisy world. We're constantly bombarded with, with noise, with signals, with sound bites, with advertising, with media. It's not familiar to us to intentionally practice silence and solitude. What would it look like for you to schedule a period of silence and of listening every day? Maybe in those quiet hours with the Lord after you've done your Bible reading, after you've spent time in prayer and devotional reading or whatever, but just to sit quietly with the Lord and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then quiet your heart and open your ears. Practice silence. Practice silence and commit to it every day as a spiritual discipline. There's a reason that silence and solitude, they're listed as spiritual, classic spirit, Christian spiritual disciplines because they're important and they matter. Uh, stop talking so much. Avoid listening to and speaking gossip or hurtful words. Set a guard over your mouth. If something starts to bubble up and want to come out, catch it. Don't listen to gossip. Don't speak gossip. If it feels like maybe this is a hurtful word, don't say it. Err on the side of caution. Flee from pointless chatter. Stay away from divisive de debate. So much of the stuff I see on social media by people who love the Lord uh, is so destructive and it just so undermines their witness to the world and it calls into question the power of the gospel in their life. Ultimately, I don't mean to overstate that or it may seem like I'm overstating that, but ultimately, if all that people know about you is what they see on your social media presence and you're always uh, bickering and always debating and always in, uh, getting involved in pointless chatter, it's undermining your witness and calling into question key parts of your character. Practice proofreading your day. I love this idea that if each day you're part, every day you're writing a page in your life story, in the narrative of your life, what if at the end of every day you intentionally practiced a proofreading of your day? You evaluate those conversations you had. You invite God's Holy Spirit to come and help um, critique the manuscript to look closely at how the day went and say, hey, here's where some real strength was starting to show. Ooh, here's some real danger. Here's some things where I walked a little too closely to that line of gossip. Here's where I was a little too comfortable in that, uh, that, that, that pointless chatter or that, uh, that conversation that didn't really build up my friend, but actually kind of made them look ridiculous or seem ridiculous. So practice proofreading your day. Seek accountability with someone. Seek accountability not with that person that you so often gossip with. Find someone who is mature and someone who is reliable in your life that can be that fixed point of reference against which you can say, hey, um, I'm pursuing truth, but it doesn't feel like I was doing very well. What do you think? And that person can speak from that reliable position into your life. Find someone who is familiar with silence. 
And even more importantly, find someone who is uh, capable at controlling their own tongue. Think about someone in your life that you, they don't gossip. Even though they've had opportunity, even though they're around the same people you are, you never hear that stuff spilling out of their mouth. They control their tongue. They never say a demeaning or degrading word about anybody in their life. Find that person. Find that person. So the first step in curing the careless whispers is to stop talking so much. And we need help with that. We need practice. So um, I encourage you to uh, be intentional about that. Okay, the second step. Beware of the danger of being necessary. Beware of the danger of being necessary. I know what it feels like. I'm just like everybody else. We love to feel wanted. We love to feel important. It's a good feeling to be indispensable because of our skills or our ability. This isn't in and of itself a bad thing. We all bring things to the table. We all uh, add things to the equation uh, for the benefit of others. But this sense of being necessary, of being indispensable, it can lead us to always feel like we must give our input, that we must always be engaged, that we always need to be on. We always need to show up and be there because they need us. And this, as James pointed out at the beginning, and maybe this is why, this is especially dangerous for people in leadership. This is especially dangerous for people like me, pastors, people that are uh, visible, that are seen as being leaders. It's easy to fall into that trap of being necessary. It can cause us to become arrogant. It can cause us to become prideful. It can cause us to become very, very annoying. And, our, and here's the thing. It's worse now, I think, than or there's an immediacy to this, this problem now that we haven't seen in, in the past. Our broad, instant access to social media, it adds to this temptation. Man, I've got friends who are pastors, who are leaders in the Christian community that have Facebook. And man, you don't have to wonder what they're thinking because they're constantly out there self-promoting, uh, putting their ideas and thoughts that you have to hear out there for everyone to see. And you wonder, yeah, this is helpful, but you kind of start to wonder, I think they might feel a little too necessary. I think there's this assumption that everyone has to hear what I have to say. So it gets kind of tangled up in our, our sense of worth, our sense of self, and our sense of pride. But here's the thing. In order to be more like Jesus, we must learn to step back. All of us. We must learn to step back to close our mouths, to practice dying to ourselves. We must fight the temptation and, and we must fall silent. And in doing so, let our silence speak. You see, I'm reminded of that story of, of, of Jesus in the Gospels where that woman is caught in adultery and the Pharisees and the religious teachers bring um, the lady and throw him at Jesus' feet and say, hey, this woman was caught in adultery. The law says we stone her to death. What do you say? And Jesus didn't answer. What did Jesus do? Well, he didn't answer, but he bent down and he started drawing in the dirt. And that was just this like compelling, unsettling moment. Jesus is drawing in the dirt. He's not answering their questions. His silence spoke incredibly loudly to all those men holding the stones. It spoke incredibly loudly to the woman cowering at his feet. The silence speaks loudly. Then he finally stands and says, You, whoever has no sin, go ahead, throw the first stone. Check yourself. If you have no sin at all, 
throw that stone. And what does it say happened? Everyone drops their rocks and they go home because Jesus had spoken directly into their hearts in two ways, through his silence, but then the simplicity of what he said, hey, check yourself. If you have no sin, by all means, throw that stone. This woman, yeah, she deserves to die. But in that silence and in that simple sentence he says, everyone realizes we all deserve to die because we're all sinful. We've all been caught in our sin. And Jesus in that moment uses his silence to punctuate the, punctuate the moment. When we choose silence instead of, instead of speaking, we grow in our ability to remain humble. We grow in our, our ability to stay rooted in God's power. And ultimately, we enjoy a restful spirit. We don't get so tangled up. We don't get so wound up. We're able to let things go and, and give them to God because we didn't say things we regretted. We didn't let our pride get in the way. We didn't let our flesh rise up and, and go into battle. We relied upon the Lord and our spirit is able to remain at rest. So the first step in curing the careless whispers was stop talking so much. The second step was beware of the danger of being necessary. And the third step is think before speaking. We spoke earlier of uh, acronyms, OPSEC, meaning operational security. Well, guess what? Think is an acronym as well. T-H-I-N-K. Perhaps you've heard this before, but it's a good reminder for us. Think before speaking. Before you open your trap, before you start spouting off what you think or feel or what you know, ask these questions in any given conversation. T, is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? Is it completely honest? Is it, is it completely true? Am, am I not embellishing? I'm not adding information. I'm not making stuff up. Is what I'm, a, what I'm about to say true? T, is it true? H, is it helpful? <laughs> Am I talking for the sake of talking? Is what I'm about to say actually constructive? Is it actually helpful in this context, in this conversation? Is what I'm about to say true? Is what I'm about to say helpful? I, am I involved? And this is a big one. If we asked this question, we would diffuse so many regrettable situations. I'm standing there, I need to ask, hey, what I'm about to say, is it true? Is it helpful? And then, am I involved? Am I involved in this situation? Do I need to wedge myself in here? I'm not involved, so I need to be, be quiet or I need to remove myself. I'm not involved in this, which leads us to our next letter, N, T-H-I-N. Is what I'm about to say necessary? Is what I'm about to say actually going to help this conversation move forward? Is what I'm about to say going to actually bring resolution? Is it going to actually bring clarity? Is what I'm about to say necessary? And then K, T-H-I-N-K, is it kind? Is it kind? Check our hearts. Is our heart motivated from a place of kindness? And that doesn't mean we always say the fluffy, nice, you know, cheery thing. Sometimes we have to say the hard, difficult, challenging thing, but it can come from a heart of kindness. Sometimes you say nice stuff and it's coming from a heart of bitterness and envy. But if our hearts are truly uh, rooted in kindness, a desire for kindness to prevail, sometimes we say hard stuff, but it comes from a heart of kindness and of love, and people will know that. So think before speaking. Is it true? Is it helpful? Am I involved? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Here's what we know. God has called us to be agents of hope, of healing, and of reconciliation. We are sent out as proclaimers of the good news, living witnesses to the new life in Christ. 
Therefore, it is against our new nature in Jesus Christ to go about causing hurt, to go out uh, fostering broken trust with others. That is incompatible with our new identity in Christ. So there's uh, some good and necessary questions that we must ask as we close here. Good questions to ask. Who have you hurt with your careless whispers? Who have you hurt with your careless whispers? Who needs your confession? Who needs your apology? If this week is a perfect opportunity for you to make amends, uh, who would you go to? What if we set about making amends this week? Where would you start? As you think about this, perhaps there's a person that comes to mind. Like a, like, like a rock in your shoe, this person is always coming to mind, always getting your mind's attention. Ah, this, this, this relationship's out of, out of joint. That conversation that needs to be had has not taken place. So if this week you were intent on making amends, who would you go to first? And if you did, how might that relationship begin healing? And if that relationship began to heal, what else might change in your life? You know, I find that when there's peace, when there's healed relationships, we get unstuck. So many times those broken relationships and those, those hurtful conversations and all that gossip and, and broken trust, it, it causes us to be stuck in our lives, not just with each other, but also with God and even in a weird way with ourselves. But if we made amends, if we pursued a healed relationship, what might change in our life? What might it be like to become unstuck? So carry this question with you this week. Who can you bless? Who can you bless this week with a careful action? Who can you go out and and intentionally pursue a careful action with this week? How this week can you stop the careless whisper that's caused so much damage and so much harm and so much hurt? Instead, how can you turn that to careful action this week and to be a peacemaker? I pray that you would carry that with you this week as you go uh, into the world. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for the wisdom of your word. It's just full of guidance on this stuff. It's almost like you know this is a problem with us. You know that we struggle to keep our tongues under control and to keep the careless whispers at bay. God, I pray that you would start a a work of, of healing and renewal in our hearts because that's where this all begins. It's in our souls, in our hearts, our, our, our ability to, to trust you, uh, our ability to uh, uh, follow Jesus, our, our desire to follow Jesus and to be more and more like him and less and less like ourselves. Because, God, we know what we're like. We're, we're, we could be pretty rotten. Our tongues can be pretty evil. We can cut people down uh, with some very sharp words. And some very uh, hurtful language. And so, God, I pray that you would baptize our hearts, baptize our mouths, so that we could honor you. I pray that we would take these lessons about the careless whisper (laughs) to heart. um, That we would go out being peacemakers. That we would ask the right kind of questions. That we would be silent when silence is called for. And that we would beware of our pride and beware of our ego and our need to be necessary. I pray that we would truly be uh, the first to think before we speak that we would understand the power of silence, that we don't always have to say something in order to say something. So I pray that we would trust in you in that, because sometimes that's what it comes down to. We just don't trust you. So I pray that you would help us in our trust. I pray that you would uh, kindle within our hearts a desire to see our broken relationships healed, 
Sometimes we've lived long enough to know that sometimes relationships aren't able to be healed. But who we are uh, in that situation can change. And I pray that we would have hearts that are set on reconciliation, on making amends, and that uh, we would be pursuing every opportunity to see people um, um, shown kindness, see relationships healed and see you glorified, see you honored through our day-to-day interactions. So, God, I pray for my friends who've struggled. I pray that uh, whatever they've felt during this message as they've listened, those people that have come to mind, those, those, those painful memories, I pray that they'd be put to good use, that this week they could go out and they could uh, maybe make that confession, start that apology, and start seeing um, a relationship start to be mended. I pray for my friends who've never trusted Jesus. I would pray that they would understand that the call to follow Jesus is a whole life endeavor. It involves everything, including not just our hearts, not just our our, uh, religious behavior, but our very tongues, our speech, the way we talk, the way we behave verbally, the way we behave uh, on social media, those kind of things. All those things come under the lordship of Jesus, and I pray that... uh, both believers and unbelievers alike would understand that that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. So I pray that you would uh, give us a fuller understanding of who you've called us to be in Jesus' name. God, we pray these things in His name. Amen. All right, we're finishing up today. Uh, I thank you for your time. I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, Man, I really look forward to seeing you in person. It looks like in the next couple weeks there may be restrictions lifted on the gathered church. Uh, So we may have opportunity to start seeing each other in person uh, person again. I'm not sure how that's going to look or how that's going to work out specifically in our church. How, you know, whatever those limitations to maintain social distancing, stuff like that. But We are eager to see that happen again, but we need wisdom and we need patience. So um, be praying about that. We want to be smart. We want to be wise, but we also want to be brave. So uh, just pray as we uh, turn our attention toward reopening the church. Someone said this week that, uh, you know, closing, opening the church again is going to be more challenging than it was closing the church at the beginning of the quarantine, uh, the coronavirus lockdown. So, and I think they're right. So um, we need to figure this out and and honor God, honor each other as we open up and keep everyone safe. So uh, care groups are rolling along. I pray that you guys are connecting each week with each other. Uh, you should be getting personal contact from your care group leaders uh, every week. You should also be receiving the weekly roundup, the care group weekly roundup. Uh, It includes a devotional and some announcements. Uh, So be looking for that. It should be coming to you uh, again this week. Uh, One special announcement, we had a question from someone in the fellowship about whether or not it's possible to give to Open Anchor, uh, to give tithes and offerings through PayPal. And Earlier this week, the answer was no. There was not a way to do that. You had to have a debit card, and you could go to the web page and give through the Give button. But just this week, uh, we added a PayPal option to our Give page on the Open Anchor website. How exciting is that? So if you uh, prefer to give through PayPal, check it out. Uh, we view the giving of tithes and offerings as an intimate expression of faith and worship, just so you're, just so that's clear. So. All right, that's all for me. Let's uh, pray together as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now all glory to God who is able 
through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And now, may the grace and peace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ be with you.